Amen. Second Corinthians. That's where we're going to be this morning. So hopefully you brought a Bible. Would you make your way there? Second Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you, in the chairs in front of you. You can grab hold of one of those and open it up there. If you want to use an electronic device, you can use one of those. One way or another, we want you to be in the Word of God with us. We want that to be that which connects. In fact, if you're in our overflow or online, please hear the same invitation. We invite you to have the, a copy of the Scriptures, open it up with the aim and intention that God's Word would just be at work in our lives here this morning. So, Bible's open. Let's take a moment and ask God for open hearts. I'm going to lead you in this, but I'm asking you to pray as well, that you would ask God to take His Word and make it connect where you are this morning, and that you would hear what He has for you. Father, right now we do come, and I think about Your Word. You tell us it's alive. You tell us it's powerful. You tell us that it doesn't return to you void without accomplishing the, the purpose for which you have sent it. God, help us, therefore, to understand it, understand what you're saying, and then may it just resonate inside of us. May it be in a place that we hear and your word works what you've intended it to work inside of us. Give us ears to hear. Anything right now that would hamper, hinder, distract, move us from hearing, God, would you so work now that we would hear. We'd hear you and that you would speak by your goodness and your ways into our lives. God, help right now. We ask for that. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Foresight is better than hindsight. Hey, just a little bit of a silly kind of a thing. I want you to think it through with me for a moment, but it's simply true. Foresight is better than hindsight. Hindsight, you know what it is, right? I mean, hindsight is that space where you look backwards and, and you see the past and you see things that have happened. And it's been said that hindsight is 2020. <laughs> it's not always true, by the way. Sometimes we don't see the past clear either, but it can be true where all of a sudden we can look backwards and say, oh, I get it. I understand. I mean, I can see things that are there, and that can be a really good space, a space that God invites us to, a space that God's going to invite us to see our lives, to be able to look back even and say, okay, God, I get it. I understand things that you are and doing, and that's a good space. But God wants to hold something more, a space that it's not just hindsight, but it can be foresight, that you're actually seeing where things are going, where you're actually kind of seeing what's, what's coming, and your life can be able to live in light of that, that you would be able to step forward where some would say, hey, that's drawing you into this space today, living in insight. Now, I realize that's just a bunch of play on words, but I just want you to think about it with me for a moment. Hindsight, foresight, insight, yeah, it's seeing. It's this idea of seeing things for how they are. It's this idea of seeing things for, for where they are, and this morning, God is inviting us to be those who don't just understand the past, though we're invited there, but are able then to take that and translate that into how we see today, how we see this moment. And I want to hold out to you that He is giving it, laying it before you this morning as a possibility of that taking place, of a possibility of that being at work in your life, and we invite you into that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, but as we do so, we have a problem, and here's our problem. 
what we're going to say this morning is really picking up right where we left off last week. I mean, it's one of those spaces like this is part two to part one, but here's the problem. That was seven days ago. And like for some of you are like, what? You know, it's like that was seven days ago. I'm trying to remember even what we talked about. And then others of you, you weren't here. I mean, that just works. I understand how that works. And so there's no way to kind of pull entirely back, but everything and wants me to say everything all over again, because you almost need all of that to talk about what we're going to talk about. We're not going to be able to do that. But I want to give you a quick thumbnail sketch thumbnail sketch of what we did talk about so that you could see it, but also inviting you that if that's stuff you want to know more on, we cover more details. I mean, you're going to have to leave out a whole lot uh, in there that would answer some questions that maybe you would have. And, and so if this is something that you want to know more about or want to put it together, we invite you to go you know, and get it on our website. You can get it on YouTube and, and be able to see that, which we talked about last week. But here's a quick reminder. Well, we began this section, and it really is the first section in 2 Corinthians, in this letter. After his introduction, he launches out in, in the first subject matter that really defines the whole letter uh, that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, and he begins it in verse 3. Why don't you notice it there in your text with me? In verse 3, it says it this way, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort.'" Yeah, he began with an invitation, an invitation that you would see it, partner in it, but know it's true that our God is amazing. I mean, blessed be our God. Like, he is glorious, he is mighty, he is powerful, and he is faithful. Our God is worth your seeing in all aspects, but here specifically, he is a God of all comfort. Yeah, that's what he's described as. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. In so doing, he comforts us in all of our weaknesses, all of our sorrows. That's what he says there in verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Comfort, that's what you need to think about with me for a few moments. In fact, it really is the key word that unpacks this section. If you were with us last week, we saw that in those first two verses, the word comfort was used five times. Five times it was used. In the next three verses that we're covering today, it's used another five times. Uh, now, sometimes the English translations will call it consolation, but it's the same thing. So in five verses, 10 times the same word is used. I mean, that should be very, very clear. It's like, okay, comfort. We're talking about comfort. I mean, that's, that's kind of the focus in this. We are talking about that. What is comfort? How do we define that? Well, again, this is kind of a reminder of what we did last week. We talked about it more, but as a quick reminder, Comfort is an interesting Greek word. Two Greek words put together, parakaleo, para coming from alongside, walking alongside, and kaleo, calling, speaking. It's a word that speaks of one that is giving encouragement, that's giving help from alongside, but it really is help. It is the idea of giving strength, of that which strengthens somebody, that builds them up, that, that gives help to them in that moment. So kind of putting it together, it is this idea of speaking strength from alongside. And it's a good thing, needed in many ways, but here's the key for us, that's God. He's telling us that He is the God of all of that, that He is the God that always does that, and He does it in all of our tribulation. Now, again, you've got to hear the word all. You've got to know that he's always doing this. This is our God. This is his faithfulness. This is what he does. And he does it, he says, in the midst of all of our tribulation. 
Last week we talked about tribulation. That is the idea of being squeezed or oppressed. But it can come from any aspect. It can be physical oppression, mental, social, economic, adversity. All of those things kind of can press into it. And it's the place where life feels so pressed. Uh, coming from any angle that makes it so that we're there. And, and that's part of life happening in so many angles and spaces. But in all of those spaces, God is comforting. God is comforting us in all of our weakness. Now, that's just really, really good news. That is just really, really good news. And so part of that is being those who believe that and listen, that we become those who hear better, that we become those who would respond to that better because he is faithful, the one who's doing that. But it's not just meant for us. Yes, we're supposed to get comfort, but let's go back and see it, what he says in the rest of verse 4. He says, you know, God is that God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us in everything that we're going through so that we then can therefore comfort other people, that God works in us to work through us, that God works in this, and comfort is meant to be that way. It says that God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort people who are in any trouble. doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the same trouble that you've gone through. It's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the comfort that he's giving, that what God comforts you you will therefore then be able to comfort and speak that into other people's lives. Now, that's what we talked about last week. We talked about a lot of what that looks like. We talked about how that, that works. And then we ended uh, with the story of Horatio Spafford and him writing that song that you just sang. That's how we ended last week, singing It's Well With My Soul, where Horatio just writes, When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, it's well. It's well with my soul. And, he, and we talked about how in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the difficult, God had spoken to him both in a way that comforted him, but gave him words to share with us that we still find comforting. And, and that's exactly what God does. That's exactly what God does. And that's exactly what he wants to do inside of us, that he wants to give us that comfort that we can comfort others. Hey, quick FYI, I had someone talk to me after the first service, and they were just wanted to make sure they got it clear, so I want to make sure that I'm giving it clear. When we think about this comfort, the focus is not on the suffering, but on the comfort. It's not that it's wrong to, you know, share with people our sufferings, and sometimes we can commiserate and, you know, talk about the same things that we go through, but the focus here is on comfort. And, you know, for some people, it's not the idea that we have to, you know, unpack all of our baggage and tell everybody everything that we're going through, but it's the idea that when God speaks to us, you know, in those moments, we have something to say. And I think it's well with my soul as a good example because what did God speak to him? How he reminded him that his sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. He reminded him that God sent his son. He reminded him that he's coming back. You know, he's going to haste the day when we see him. I mean, he reminded him of these essential, basic Christian truths. But here's the thing. In the midst of suffering, sometimes those take on a weight and, and, and a merit that your suffering enables you then to speak it because God has reminded you of those things in the midst of it. That's incredibly powerful. That's incredibly powerful. And so that's what he's telling us. So our God is this amazing God who is comforting us in all of our weaknesses that we can comfort others. So that was last week. That was your reminder. And if you're like, well, Jim, I have more questions about that. That's great. Go back and get the YouTube or see it on our, our online because I want to say more, but I got to stop because now we need to move forward and talk about 
Well, what do we do with that? So that's true. This is true. This is our glorious God. He's doing it, and he's giving it to us, and it's meant to comfort others. What do we do with that? Well, let's notice what he says first about how this is at work in our lives there in verse 5. It says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or comfort, it's the same word, also abounds through Christ. Our suffering abounds and the comfort abounds. But let's just begin with this description. He says, The sufferings of Christ, that those abound in us. Here's the question for you. What are the sufferings of Christ that are abounding in you? Hey, it's a really important question, and we actually did talk about this a little bit last week, but we're coming at it from a different angle. So the sufferings of Christ. Now, this is one of those phrases. In fact, we'll go to a couple other verses that say much the same thing, and if you misunderstand them, you will just get really, really confused, Uh, and I'm hoping not to make it confusing, so let's think about what the sufferings of Christ are. Well, let's say what they're not. When we think about the sufferings of Christ that we get to participate in, that abound in our lives, it's not an atoning suffering. That is, we're not joining Jesus in paying for the price of sin in the world. No, that was done. I mean, that was done. When Jesus died on the cross, he said those immortal words, right? It is finished. In fact, in Hebrews, it tells us by one sacrifice forever, God took care of sin. So, when we think about Jesus' sufferings that you and I are invited to participate in, it's not that we are participating in paying the price of sins of the world. That's been done. It cannot be added to, doesn't need to be added to, and that all by itself would be good news. Again, for some of you kind of growing up in maybe a Catholic background and penance and all that stuff, that's weird. That's what they think, and that's, that's not. We're not doing anything that adds to or continues the sufferings of Christ in that sense. That's been accomplished. So the sufferings of Christ that abound in us are not atoning sufferings. Neither are they, I would put before you, just sufferings that become because of Jesus in our life. Now, there are some that think this way, and so again, I want to give it merit and just say there are some Bible students that will go this way, uh, that they'll say when we think about the sufferings of Christ, it means whatever we endure because of Christ, which would be persecution, Um, isolation, whatever happens to us in the world, and that's certainly a part of it, but that's a small part of the pie, and if that's all that we saw it is, I think we would be missing uh, the great weight of this. So what are then the sufferings of Christ? Well, in the most simple way, it's the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel that is meant to be echoing through your life and mine, that God is comforting us in us through us, and those sufferings become part of the connection. It become part of the way whereby God is communicating into this world the absolute gloriousness of Christ, and the gospel is flowing, and our sufferings become a part of that connection, a part of where it works. So as you think about that and you're trying to process it, let me just give you a few other verses that say the same thing, that are talking about the same thing, and maybe it'll help see it in another way. So in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, we'll get to, Paul will say, we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Like, we always are participating. We're always participating in what Jesus did, his his death, and and the way that he walked into that, so that the life of Christ is going to be being manifest through our lives. It's what we're being invited to be a part of. In Colossians, he would say it this way. 
Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Again, it's just a, it's a great verse. It has much there. But if you misunderstand, it's like, wait, what do you mean? That's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Is, 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 is the atonement lacking? Is the, the price been? Nope, that's not, the, that's not what's missing. What is needed is the, the afflictions that are connecting, that is for the sake of the body of Christ, that is for the sake of doing that, that our sufferings actually become a key part of that beautiful uh, just communication of the gospel and the power of it going forward. In fact, in Philippians, Paul will say that I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. I want to fellowship with Jesus. I want to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. So that's what we're talking about, right? Sufferings of Christ. That's what these things are. That's what we're about. And again, the key is, man, this is Christ. This is what he is and what he's done. So think about it in a very simple way for a second. Jesus, because of his great love for us, and God, because of his great love for us, sent his son. And he literally did become human. Born there in Bethlehem, living uh, life here on this earth, and he lived it fully, fully God, but fully man, and, and, and fully going through everything that it is to live in this life. Hungry, thirsty, sleeping. I mean, he did it all. And, and he faced all the trouble that was in life. He faced all that was there. And, and part of that was to pay the price for our sin. But part of that was to connect to us the love of God so that by him participating in those things, he now was able to communicate to us and draw us into it. Let me just give you a couple verses that say that. So in Hebrews, it gives it to us this way. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, like he had to become fully human, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in, to, in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of, his, of the people. So he had to be fully human. He had to go through all of this to pay the price for our sin, to, to pay the propitiation for our sin. True. But, next verse, for, and that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Not only is it him paying the price, but now because he's gone through it, it he's now able to communicate to us. He's now able to help us who are facing all of those things. In fact, it will go on in chapter 4 and say it this way. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest who is reaching out to you this morning, and he understands. I mean, he's full, because of his humanity, he, he, he understands you, he understands your struggles, he understands your weaknesses, he understands what you're going through. He never sinned. But he fully understands, and it opened up an avenue whereby he could show us both the heart of God, show us who God has always been, but making it now clear. I mean, it's one of those places that Jesus made it clear to us, right? I mean, sometimes you can read through the Bible and not see it. You hear people say, like, I read the Old Testament, and God seems so angry, uh, and, and then I like to read the New Testament, and God seems so loving, and it's like, well, you've never write, read either one then, because God never changes, but our problem is seeing the heart of God. So when Jesus comes, he was able to say, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Like, you want to know who God is? Well, what I'm now able to do is make who he is more visible to you, 
more clear. It's who God has always been. It's who He always is. But now because of Christ, we get a chance to see that. We get a chance to see Him. We get a chance to see what He is and, and, and how that works. And that's exactly what He's inviting us into. That He's telling us, hey, that's what Jesus has done. That's what He is. And if I'm making just a tiny bit of sense, and I pray I am, that's one of the things that you and I get to go through. So again, we talked about it last week, but let me just try to say it again. It might not be the only reason, but it's certainly one of the key reasons that our life is still so marked with suffering and pain and weakness. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you have believed upon Jesus and you're saved, I get to tell you good news. I get to remind you that heaven is coming. I mean, it is coming. And when you get there for all eternity, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death. Those things are gone. I mean, they are gone. Like, that is God's good will, that those things will be completely eradicated. That's going to make what heaven, part of what heaven is, heaven, because it's going to be so incredibly glorious. That's good. But it's not what God has right now. It's not the way the Christian life is now. It's not what we are on this side of eternity. This side of eternity, we face physical problems. We face sickness. Every Christian is going to die. I mean, unless Jesus comes back in the rapture, and either way, we're gone. But we're all, that, that's, we're all on this road. We still struggle with sin. We still have a flesh that we're dealing with. We still have problems that, that abound in it. And one of the key understandings of that is that is on purpose. And if part of it is this, so that what would happen, so that as God would meet us in those spaces that the gospel takes on a clear communication into our world, that who Jesus is and what he is, is, is happening so that our sufferings don't become pointless and they're not without, but they come a part of the gospel being communicated into our world. Now, I just want to tell you that's a mouthful. That is just like a big deal, and, it, and it's huge. And for some of you, you're, you're thinking that through, and it's maybe little light bulbs are coming on. That's great. You just keep going. Others are like, man, that's confusing. Like, I'm still trying to think that thing through. That's good. That's, I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, it's possible for you to see it. Uh, it's possible for you to understand it. And, and we've kind of talked about the idea of, of being able to see it, not just in hindsight, but in foresight. A place where Paul would say it this way, for example, in 2 Timothy, Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Like, I'm going I'm to endure whatever God lets me go through because I want people to see Jesus. I, I want to do it for the gospel. I want people to get saved. I, I want the gospel to be communicated. And, and part of that is through this. Part of that is what that is. So that's happening. That's God's good intention, and we're invited both to see that and know that. And again, that kind of goes back into stuff we talked about last week. So again, if you're chewing on that and want more on that, think about it. But one more piece for us here in this verse, he says it this way in verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ, notice, abound in us, so our consolation or comfort also abounds through Christ. Abounding means to exist in large quantities. I just want to tell you this true. I mean, somehow it would even be helpful for us just to understand. In fact, 
I just don't want you to be afraid. For somebody, they're going to be listening to me this morning. It's like, okay, if I own this, does that mean I'll suffer more? <laughs> like, 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 if I believe this, does that mean somehow that I'm like, you know, volunteering, you know, like, go ahead. No, no, you already are. I mean, he's not saying you, this might have. He says, hey, the sufferers of Christ, they abound in you. I mean, like, you are going through stuff. I mean, you have physical, emotional, physical, I mean, you've got stuff. There's not anybody here in this room that's like, well, that's not me. I'm so glad. Nothing's going on in my life. No, no, it, it exists. The sufferings of Christ, they abound in you. You have a lot of stuff going on in your life, but the comfort abounds. God is a God who's speaking comfort. God is a God who is in all of what we're going through. He is a God who's doing this, that both the suffering and the comfort, they, they flow hand in hand together, and there is the great need that we would hear him. We talked about it last week that, you know, in one sense, God is, is speaking. He, he is because he said it. He is the God of how much all comfort, who is comforting us when? Always. In all of our troubles, he is always speaking doesn't mean we're listening, but he is always speaking. He cannot fail. He cannot fail in what he's promised. He will never, ever not do this. There's an old song that I had in my head back when I first got saved, and it went something like, you know, God is not silent. He is not whispering. You know, we are not quiet. We are not listening. You know, I mean, it's not that God's failing to speak. It's just that you're not listening to him, but you could listen to him. I mean, there ought to be a sense that we're like, okay, I should be listening more. <laughs> I mean, because he's that faithful. I mean, I want to be one. If the sufferings of Christ are abounding in me, then the comfort should also be abounding. And, and that should be true in my life. And it can be true in yours. Uh, it's an invitation uh, that you and I would be those who, in our own space, in our own world, would be able to step towards this in a way that would welcome it, see it, long for it, receive it, and I'm just holding it out for you again. I'm just telling you it's possible for you to become one that would recognize how incredibly good and faithful our God is, and that he would do that in everything that you're going through. Okay, good news. It really is good news. I mean, honestly, I hope it feels good news. Really good news about who God is, definitely inviting us to it, but if you really believe it, it can begin to move and change the way you see the future. Foresight's better than hindsight. Uh, hindsight can, again, be one of those places that we look on this and we can look back and say, okay, God, you are working through things. I can see that. But to see it now in the present would change the way you view it and change the way you see it, and it did for Paul. So he gives it to us this way, just picking it up, and I'll start there again in verse 5 for its context. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, like now, like right now, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or, if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If, if that happens, if it happens in our lives, it is for you. It's for others. It's as if you could look out and say, I'm going through this for others. Uh, I'm, I, if I'm suffering, if I'm going through this, then part of the weight and, and wonder of this 
is that this is for other people. So that if the suffering abounds in me, if I'm afflicted, he says, if I'm, if I'm going to go through afflictions, it's for your comfort or salvation. And if I'm comforted, it's not just for me, it's for you. If I'm comforted, it's not just about me getting comfort, it's about God speaking through my life into your life. It's a, it's a way that this is being invited to. He's telling us that we can see our sufferings and help us see that, that they're here on purpose to be a blessing to others. That's here on purpose. So again, I know I'm using these silly words, but this might just be helpful. Hindsight's great. Hindsight's great where you can look back and say, okay, God let me go through this because now I'm able to comfort other people. That would be really, really good. And I just want to be honest with you. If I could get you there, if I could get you to hindsight, we would make some progress. Not everybody's going to get there this morning. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be like, every, you'll all be with me, but I just, it's worth just owning. It's like, okay, this is, for some of you, that would be a stretch. It, it's reaching to it, but it'll be a good stretch to begin to be able to look backwards and say, okay, God, you've, you're using my, things in my life to form who I am to make my life a blessing. That would be good. But it can move to a place that it changes the way you view not just the past, but the present. So that you're able to look at today, and whatever you're going through, you're able to see it. And, and you're able to say, okay, I, if I'm going through something, there's intention here. There's purpose here. And it's meant to make impact. And that would draw us to a future space where we look at it and say, hey, I can, I can see where this is going. I can see where this is going, and we'd be able to step towards that. Or to use a kind of a silly analogy in the midst of it that not all of you will track with, but it's kind of a, a hockey one. I mean, the idea is to, you, you just want to skate to where the puck's going to be at, right? I mean, if you can get it, you want to get where it's going. And like, you're like, I, I know where this is going. I know where this is going, and I'm going to go there. I mean, like, I'm going to be ready for that because I understand where we are now is going to a space that I'll be able to comfort others. I think about it this way. One uh, author I, I read quoted it this way, said the real trick in life is to turn hindsight into foresight that reveals insight. <laughs> Some of you are like, stop saying those words. I mean, I mean I just, I, I, it's still helpful, right? I mean, that's one of those tricks. Like, okay, take that place where you just look backwards and say, I want to see where this is going, but if it does, I'll, it'll change the way I see today. It'll change the way I see today so that I'll begin to see the things that are happening in my life, not as accidents, not as pointless, but as intentional and a part of the story that God is beginning to want to unpack. So that's helpful to begin to think through. Let me give you a couple of verses that say the same thing that will help get it, but we need to even understand those verses. So perhaps one of the most famous verses in this whole regard is that verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Many of you guys know it by heart, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Great, incredible truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. It doesn't work if you're not a follower of Jesus. This isn't a promise for everybody in the world. It's only for those who are called according to His purpose, those who are followers of Jesus. But here's the promise. Everything. Everything. Happening in your life Everything you go through is working together for good. That is really good news, but don't misunderstand it. It's a weird place that sometimes people can take these verses and think they're saying something that they're not. And so sometimes we can hear this almost like, hey, everything's going to get better. 
Everything's going to get better. Uh, you know, you can have your best life here. Uh, you know, if you, know if, you, if you really believe in Jesus, you know, you know, it's, you know there's always going to be, you know, a, a rainbow at the end of the, you know, of, the, of the storm. And I just want to tell you, that's not what he said in context. Go and read the rest of Romans 8. And he's like, hey, we are persecuted and we are afflicted and we are killed and, 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 and we go through trials and we go through stuff. And sometimes that will be the end of our day here. But it's all working together for good. Not, not, not necessarily that I have, you know, the most amazing whatever life I think it is, but the gospel's good, the good of, the, of what God is doing in our world. He's, there's not anything, there's not anything you're going through that is wasted. There's not anything that you would ever face as a believer that God is not bringing your pain and suffering your struggle into a space that the gospel itself would be being communicated into our world and nothing is absent out of that. There's not any space that he's not doing that and that's what he's calling us to believe. Now, that's a part of 2 Corinthians, by the way. That's really a big theme that we've started in 2 Corinthians. We're going to continue to see. In fact, we'll fast forward once more to the end of the book in chapter 12 where Paul is talking about it himself and he's saying God, you know, places where he was asking God to make life better and take away some of the problems he had and uh, Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I mean, Jesus just tells him, I mean, one of the most amazingly critical under pieces of understanding in the midst of this, hey, this is the best that it can be. It's perfect. You being weak and God being strong, it doesn't get better than that. There's not a better plan than that. There's not anything better. In the, that, that's, a, that's the good way that God wants the gospel to go forward in our life. And he says, okay, I'm going to boast in this because I want God's power. I, I want more of what God has. In fact, he goes on to say, therefore, I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. I mean, I just want you to feel it for a second. It became insight for Paul. It wasn't just something that he can believe with hindsight. He said, here's what happens. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to go through something hard. So I get sick. Infirmities, that's sickness, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that you always need to stay there. I mean, yeah, you should pray for healing. God does heal. We talked about that last week. Uh, yeah, you can do whatever. You know, we're not fatalists. We're not just living in those spaces. But the truth is he just doesn't always rescue us out of them. Truth is he leaves us in some of these things. And Paul says, when he leaves me in him, I'm going to say, this is a good deal. I'm going to take pleasure in that. I'm going to take pleasure in that because there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. There's a reason that, that I'm going through things because the gospel is going forward through just such things. These, because when I'm weak, when I'm weak, that's where that can go forward, where that can be a part of what's being communicated. When I'm weak, when that's exactly what's taking place, that's where this can therefore become so much more clearly communicated. In fact, again, I like the way he says it. Go back and see it one more time there in verse uh, 6 where he says it this way. Um, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which notice, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. I just like it. I love when God just makes it so clear. It's effective. Effective means it works. It works. Uh, it, it works. It works to help you endure. It works to help others survive and make it just one more day. That's kind of what enduring is. 
Enduring sometimes is just, just made another day. <laughs> just made it one more day. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm hanging in there and hanging through there. Sometimes life is that. And he says, but it's effective for that so that when we go through these things, it is effective, that it is working that, that it does do that, that in that sense, again, it's not pointless. It, it's, it's not wasted. Now, I'm just telling you whether you believe this or not, it's true. Whether you come to the conclusion that what God is saying is, is real or not, he's, he's good. He is always comforting us, and he's working all things together for good in your life, guaranteed. And some of you will get to the place that you come to the place that you begin to see this in hindsight, and that will be really good. I mean, I would just, we'll just take that as a win. But it would be amazing if you could come into insight where you would say, here's what I do. I, I see it differently. I see my life differently. I, I see the, the existence that I have differently that I'm going to go through things. I'm going to go through stuff in this life that's going to press me and be hard and, and be weakness, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it because I want the gospel to go forward. Paul would say it this way in chapter 4, our light affliction is but for a moment, but it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yeah, we're going through stuff, but compared to what's coming... It doesn't even compare, but it's working. It is absolutely working. It is, and again, that would just be amazing. And there's so much help and hope right there that I could just look at you and say, nothing is meaningless in what you're going through. And whatever's pressing you, whatever's hard in your life right now, it is, I mean, if you could again just believe that, it would help you. But this is still something more. So, Okay, let's just be honest. Can we just be honest for a moment? And, and not all of you are going to be so honest or even you know, think this is a great way to think it through, but we have a problem. This is really, really good news, but part of our problem is we are sinful people, and we still struggle with a sinful propensity that is in one sense so clearly entirely selfish. And, and here's our problem with our selfishness. You might hear me right now, and it doesn't sound like good news. It's kind of like, wait a second. So you mean I'm going to suffer for other people? What if I don't want to? Like, like, what if, you know, I mean, I don't want to do that. You know, like, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't love them enough. I don't really care. You know, I mean, I really want my life to be easier. I mean, if, if this is like, you know, kind of standing forward in one of those military lines and they're asking for volunteers, I'm not volunteering. Like, I just, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. I don't, I, what, and I just want to say, I, I get it. And that's not bad to be so honest with it. But I just want to tell you, wherever you feel that, you're wrong. Wherever you feel that, you're wrong. Because Paul says, hey, you know, our light afflictions are nothing. When we get to the other side of this and we're there in glory, you are never going to look back and say, boy, I wish I didn't go through that. To the extent that your life was a part of God communicating the gospel into this world, you will be, I'm so glad. It was worth it. It was worth it. If one person is there in eternity because your life was some echo of God's grace in this world, He'll be there like, it was worth it. And it was worth it. I mean, I just want to tell you, it's worth it. And if you don't believe it now, you will believe it then. But I want to come back to it and say, I'm inviting you to believe it now. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. To this place that we would say it's there, that our life would be this, that it's working, that we would be able to say, I want it for that. Let me try to say it one other way that may or may not be helpful, but it worked for me. So um, years ago, when I was an intern pastor at Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque, before I even moved down here to plant this church, 
uh, I remember very clearly some of the conversations. And, and in uh, one of the conversations, we, a bunch of us interim pastors were sitting down with one of the assistant pastors, and he was just talking to us about what was ahead of us. And he said something like this. He said, you know, we just need to deal with the, the lie right now. Some of you think that, you know, by serving God, that life is going to get better. Like somehow, you know, like you serve God and you're going to get healthy and he's going to reward, you know, you're healthy, you know, you're, you're good, you're, you're, you're wanting to serve him. He says, it's not going to go that way. <laughs> it is not going to go that way. Uh, you're going to continue to suffer. In fact, you may suffer even more. Uh, life is going to be hard. Uh, and, and he said it this way. He simply said, uh, without suffering, um, we would be completely ineffective. And I remember how he said it, and I, I don't want to say, hey, like, this is verbatim, it always works this way, but it works for my brain this way. He simply said, if you went without suffering for one week, you would be completely unrelatable. If you went for one week without any suffering, you wouldn't be able to talk to anybody in this world. Nobody in this world would be able to understand you. You would be completely voiceless in part of the communication of the gospel in this world. I mean, and I just, I, I found myself just thinking about that, and I've, I've, I've let that land. I think, I think there's truth there. I think there's truth there. And, and so there is a sense that's not the road we're on. I mean, and nothing you're going to do is changing that, but it can change the way you see it. It can change the way you see what's happening in your life right now. I don't know what it is. Some of it's physical. Some of it's emotional. Some of it's struggles, some of it's, you know, dealing with spiritual warfare, some of it's dealing with things in your life, and, and for some of you, you look at it, and it's just a big question mark, like, why won't God fix this? You know, why won't God change this? I've asked him, I've asked him a hundred times, but what if he said, okay, he's not, this is good, this is good, this is good for the gospel, this is, this is good because I want people to see Jesus, and Paul's just saying it that way. Again, he's just saying it there in verse 6. He says that, he says, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and your salvation. Hey, can I just say it this way very clearly? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this might not make hardly any sense. I don't know if it does or not, but I just want to tell you that's probably why we're here. That's why life is not fixed for us yet. Maybe you don't understand that. Maybe you think, well, you know, aren't Christians perfect? Don't, doesn't everything work good for their life? No, it does not. We are physically pressed. We are emotionally pressed. We, we, we struggle with sin. We struggle with all that, but we do this for you. We do this because we want you to know Jesus. And, and we want to look to you and say, hey, we understand. Life's hard. It's, it's hard. We, we get that. Sin's bad. And, and it's oppressive. We get that. We, we feel that. And we love you. And we want you to be saved. And we can be able to speak to you not out of a place of being unable to relate with you. We can relate. We can relate with what you're going through, but we have hope. We have hope in Christ that is echoed not just with our words, but with our lives. With our lives saying, hey, we are living this thing out, and he is enough, and he's good. And, and, and he paid the entire price for our sin, and heaven is coming, and that is carrying me through the day. And if you don't know Jesus then we want our lives to be part of what convinces you to know him. It is for your salvation. That's why we're going through this. That's why we're going through this. I mean, that's a pretty amazing and incredible thing. And I just want to tell you, it is incredibly true. Again, for some of you, you're like, this is cool. I get that. And others are like, man, this is weird me out. Like, I just, I don't even, I just want to tell you, I understand. I just, I'm just inviting you to see it. But I'm telling you, it's true. So if you're tracking with me, hey, our suffering is abounding, but our comfort is abounding. And it's for you. It's for others. It's for the gospel. 
It's for Christ being communicated into this world. That's the sufferings that we're invited to do like Jesus did, that he willingly became human so that he could relate and communicate, and we are living that. And so we get to embrace that. We get to do that for others. And if you got that, if you could see your life that way, and even what you're going through that way, it would be amazing. I'm just telling you it's true, and it would be good. It would be really, really good. But there's one more piece he wants to give us. So if we're seeing it, we see we're going to suffer. That's big. We're going to bound with sufferings, but God is never going to leave us alone. Good news. And it's for others. Like, we're here to be a part of the gospel message to the world. That's one of the reasons we're still suffering. That's a big part of the whole deal. So we are going to say, okay, it's for others. And, and, and we want to be a part of that. We want that to happen. But there's one other perspective that he helps us to see, and that's found in verse 7. And, he says, our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so you will partake of the consolation. And, okay, let's go back and read it from verse 5. For the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer, if we are comforted. It is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so you will partake of the consolation. Our hope for you can be steadfast. So we're not just talking about how we see our suffering. We're talking about how we see other sufferings. We're talking about how I see your suffering, how you can see mine. We're talking about this place that we would recognize as we are partakers of affliction. If that's the road that all of us are on, then we are, if we're a follower of Jesus, then we are a partaker of that comfort. That place that we would see this and understand, hey, that's what God is doing. We could have a godly confidence in seeing suffering. Now, this probably makes sense, but I just need to kind of take steps towards it with you. I know you see it. I know you see it. I wonder how you see it. I wonder how you see other people suffer, how you see Christians suffer. Now, I could just pause and tell you, um, if I was God, if, if God gave me sovereignty right now, there's a lot of things I would probably do differently. Like, I look out at you, and, and some of you, you are su- you're struggling right now. I mean, there's physical problems in this room. There might be cancer in this room. Um, there, there might be some of you who are struggling with fibromyalgia or, 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 or migraines, and you look at, I would look at you and go, nah, I don't want you to go through that. Like, no, nah, let's, let's just stop that right now. Like, none of that. We're just going to be done. And some of you are going through problems at home, and you have, you have you know, family problems and emotional problems, and I would look at you and go, nah, I don't like that either. I don't like you guys to suffer. Let's just not do that either. And pretty soon, I would pretty much just exempt you from all suffering because I love you. I really, really do. But I would rob you. I would rob you of everything that God is wanting to do now. I would, it, would be, it would be the wrong thing, and God's not going to answer that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I am supposed to pray for you, and I do. And sometimes he does heal. Sometimes he does rescue from those things, and we should pray for that. But when he says no, and we see people suffering, we then can have this confidence that that has value, 
that there's not anything that he's not, that he's not letting people go through, and God's going to comfort them through that, and that's going to be a part of this gospel message into the world, that he's going to use all of this for good, that there's not anything that's wasted, there's not anything that's pointless, and it's how I get to see others. And that would be a different perspective, because again, I don't know where it is for you. You know, for some of you, again, we can be so selfish, we don't even think about it. Let's just be honest, that can be there. But for others of you, this, again, is one of those big question marks. Like, you look there, and, and you look at some of the people here in this church, and you're like, I don't know why they're going through that. I don't, I mean, I would, I would totally fix it right now if I could. I mean, maybe you're looking around the world, and you're thinking through Christians in China or in, in, in North Korea, and you'd be like, I would fix it right now. Like, I'd, we're done. And you would be wrong. And so when God isn't fixing those things right now, he's saying, I want you to see it this way. I want you to look on this and say, hey, if they are part of the afflictions of Christ, then they're part of the comfort, and this is the gospel. This is what God is doing. This is what Paul will say in, in, later in Corinthians. It's like the aroma of Christ in our world, that we're a part of this aroma that is just wafting into our world of the beauty and reality of Christ, and, and part of that is through what we get to go through. In this temporary space, it's not going to last forever, but it is now. And it would change the way we even see each other. Again, it's not where all of you are, but some of you are. Where it's like, I'm just struggling with that. But our hope for, for each other can be steadfast. Our hope can be this, that we would have a absolute confidence in what this looks like. Okay, so let's try to pull this together. Let's just think about this in, in some big ways. I just recognize these are, these are pretty like mind-bending concepts in some ways. And for some of you, you just, you're just going to be like, I'm going to have to chew on this for a while. I love you. That's good. And if we only got to hindsight, if I could get you to the place that you would recognize there's not anything you've gone through that God has ever wasted. And not anything that you've gone through. And some of you will see it. It's like, man, it's true. I can understand some of what I grew, go through has enabled me to be more compassionate. It's enabled me to be more kind. And that would be a good, good thing. But you're being invited by God to say, you know, it doesn't just have to be that way. You actually can move into this place where you're going to say, okay, if I'm afflicted, it has value. It has value for other people. It has, it has a point. It ha it, it, if I'm going to go through stuff, it has a point, and I'm going to be excited about that, not because I love suffering, but I love the gospel, and I love the good news of Jesus, and I want people to see it. And I'm going to see it not only in myself, I'm going to see it in others. I'm going to come to a place where, where that can be there. And I'm just inviting you towards it. I'm inviting you towards it because it's true. And it's beautiful. And it, and, and it helps understand even some of the whys that still leave us a little bit questioned. But you can come to the end of the day and say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it for what God is doing in the midst of this. It's worth it for it to happen. It's, it's, it's a good space for that to be there and, and to step into it where, again, you see it today and you see where it's going. You're kind of doing that little hockey thing. You're skating to where the puck's going to be at. It's like, okay, I'm going to look for spaces, God, to use my life. He's going to let me go through stuff and okay. You know, I'm going to hear from God and then whatever he speaks to me, whether it's reminding me of eternity or the gospel or the power of Christ or the wonder of the, of the cross, I'm going to speak it more clearly and more loudly. And I'll be able to be there next to somebody at, in the workplace and they'll be, be, they'll be telling me, man, Jim, the world's hard. Man, it's so hard dealing with sin. And, and you'll be able to say, I know, I know. I know not just because of what he did in my life 30 years ago. I know right now. I mean, it's how I make it through the day. 
It's how I make it through the day is because I have hope. And I want to tell you what I know. I tell you about the good news of the gospel. He's inviting you to be there where you would say, okay, our God is amazing. He is comforting in all of our weaknesses so we can comfort others. So that's where we're going to end this morning. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and wherever this is landing. And it is different around the room. Some of you are, are, are just beginning to make baby steps towards this. Then take those steps. Take those steps and, and, and just kind of grow. Others, he's like, okay, you know, you've believed this in little ways, but you haven't totally translated it into how you're viewing today or the way you're viewing other people. But you can. How you can. Where you could be able to say, okay, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to believe all things are working together for good. Like nothing is wasted. And I'm going to believe. And I'm going to want it. I'm going to want that my life would be a part of the good news of the story of the gospel. And so we're going to give you a moment to pray for that. And I don't know where that's landing. I don't know if it's for your life or how you see others. I want to just invite you to that. But one last time, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we understand. We understand. We really do have compassion. We really, we're, we're looking at you and saying, we got, life's hard and, and it's difficult. And sin, is, sin is, 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 is a constant battle. We get it. And we live that for your sake. We are here as a people who are not exempt from those things. We're going through them for you so that you can see that our Jesus is real, that he's the one that saves us. He's the one that holds us. He's the one that has us. He's the one that is that. And if you don't know that, then we're inviting you to Jesus. And in this quiet moment, we invite you to surrender your life to him. So let's each take a quiet moment, pray to him, and then we'll come back together and worship in just a moment. God, I believe you, and I want to believe you. I want to grow in knowing this is true. All things are working together for good to those of us who are yours. All things. There's not anything that has no value. There's not anything that's pointless. There's not anything that, that we're going through that isn't a part of what you're working. I believe you. That you are an incredible God of comfort who comforts us in all of our sorrow. Oh God, help us to hear you better. May the good news of the gospel, the hope that is Jesus, the hope of our eternity, may it 
resound in our lives. May the sufferings that we're going through amplify those and, and cause them to connect. God, we pray for the gospel. We pray for the gospel to go forward in our world, in a sick, broken, dying world that has no hope outside of Christ. And you have allowed us to stay here in this planet right now. And you've told us we're the light of the world. We're the only hope it has. We're the only hope that anybody can find. God, I pray that you'd help us to see it. I pray that you'd help us to believe it. To die. God, we're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He is inviting you to see it. You know, I think about it right now. Maybe you're there. Maybe you see things and you're beginning to see it, but I want to say it one other way. The most important thing that's going to happen on planet Earth today, the most important thing that's going to happen on planet Earth today is there are going to be people that believe in Jesus. It tells us at the end of the book of Acts that day by day, God is drawing to himself those that are being saved. There's not anything more important than that. You might not think that. Maybe you think things that are happening in Washington or Ukraine or in other spaces, they might seem really big news. But in the scheme of eternity, they're not. There's nothing more important than this. There's nothing more important than that God is drawing people to Christ. And you're a part of that. You're a part of what he is doing in that. And he is simply inviting you to see it. To say, okay, I believe it. And I want my life to be a part of that good echo of Christ. To be a part of what that looks like. And it would change the way you view life. So if you have need of us praying for you in that, we're here. Come up after the service. We'd love to pray with you and pray for help. If you're that person that doesn't know Jesus, there's nothing more important. What your soul has more value than nations. Nations are going to go away. Your soul is not. We invite you today to him. Come up after, the service, after we're done singing here. Let us talk to you more about Jesus and unpack the gospel more. Help you get saved just to come to him because it's, it's what you desperately need. We're here for that. But right now, let's take this and close together in worship. So why don't you stand? We're going to close in a final song uh, in this whole space. As we do so, we're going to sing a song we've sung before. But in this context, I think it can just bear weight into it. It's taken out of the book of Job. And many of you guys know Job suffered. It's a book of suffering that, that goes through that. And I love the honesty of the book of Job. He didn't always do it well. There were days he panicked. There were days he questioned God's goodness and ways. But then there were moments where he saw it, where he saw what it was. And one of those is found in just in, in Job chapter 13, where it says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That Job was able to say, you know what? No matter how bad it gets, though no matter what God lets me go through, I'm going to trust him. No matter how difficult the space is, even if it meant me dying, I'll trust him. That's a good space for us to come to. And I want to invite you into that space this morning to worship, you know, through those words into the space that we've talked about this morning. With that, I just want to bless you in his name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.